The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. Can you really believe what you, what you read or even see in the media these days? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us today on The Line of Fire. Michael Brown, as always, delighted to be with you today. Think of two names, Donald Trump, Piers Morgan. You put those two names together or even you separate those two names, there is bound to be controversy. And there's some real controversy going on right now. And we are going to do our best to get to the truth, not to talk about controversy, but to ask, are we being lied to by mainstream media? Are we being deceived? Can we trust what we hear, what we read, what we see? We're going to talk about that. Phone lines are open also. I'd love to know where you get your news from, what you consider to be trustworthy. If you consider any sources to be trustworthy, curious to know where you get it from. Is it cable TV? Is it mainstream uh, channel TV? Is it print news? Is it online news sources? Is it radio, podcasts, something else? 866-348-7884. But phone lines are open for anything you want to talk to me about any point you want to differ with me on, any question you have about the Bible or contemporary culture, 866-34-TRUTH. We're also going to interact with a, a clip from a, a Democratic uh, a senator, a state senator in Michigan, a clip that's gone viral. We want to talk about that, interact with that constructively as well. Again, number to call, 866-34-TRUTH. And look, everything we talk about here on The Line of Fire ha- has a particular goal, and it's, it's to infuse you with faith and truth and courage so you can stand strong for the Lord. And, and I want you to picture this. Isaiah 10, 27, the King James, many familiar with the yoke will be broken because of the anointing. But it's better to translate the Hebrew, the yoke will be broken because of the fatness. So here's an animal with a yoke on it. And when the animal gets so fat, which is a, a figure of, of a healthy animal, just when it gets so fat, boom, the yoke bursts. And, and that's our goal. Whatever's holding you back, whatever's hindering you, whatever's a, a yoke other than the yoke of the Lord that you're carrying, we, we want you to be so healthy and strong that that yoke, boom, it shatters. But then think of it on a national level. As the church on a national level gets healthy, then that, that yoke breaks and people are set free and lives are changed. And the country can even be changed because a healthy church is going to mean a healthier country. So if, if we can answer a Bible question for you and give you more confidence in the Word of God, boom, that's a win for us. If we can give you clarity, Bible-based clarity in the midst of a confusing world and a morally lost world, boom, that's something that's a win for us. We want to do that for you. If we can give you a greater burden to reach the, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, if we can help you get more devoted to the Lord than love with the Lord or praying for revival— those are all things that for us will be mission accomplished because our mission is to serve you and strengthen you and help equip you as you run your race so that you can run so as to win. Okay, a couple days back, major headlines all over the internet about this interview with Pierce Morgan and Donald Trump. So let's look at one particular set of headlines. This is The Sun from the UK 
right? You've got you've got the video picture on top, and it's Pierce Morgan on the right, Donald Trump on the left. All right, click to watch the video. There's the actual video. You can watch a clip. Here's the headline: Grumpy Trumpy, dramatic moment. Donald Trump storms off explosive Piers Morgan interview, raging, "You're a disloyal fool!" All right, so so let's just hear this. He storms off the explosive interview, raging, "You're a disloyal fool!" Then, as you read down a little bit. Donald Trump stormed out of a world-exclusive interview with Piers Morgan in a blazing row over the, quote, stolen U.S. presidential election. The ex-president reached boiling point after Piers blamed Trump's refusal to admit defeat in the 2020 vote for last year's deadly riots at the Capitol. And you've got these pictures. Trump stormed out. Trump screamed that Piers Morgan was dishonest and a fool. Trump shocked the TV crew as he shouted, turn the cameras off. Here's what it says, reading from the article. Trump screamed that his interviewer was dishonest, a fool, and barked at the shock TV crew, turn the cameras off. Okay, now there's a video to watch that apparently backs this up. Now, for those who may be new to the broadcast, I've said in the past I voted for Trump twice, but I hope he doesn't run in 2024. I hope someone else runs. And I've been very vocal with my differences with Donald Trump. And he may have said things in the interview when, it, when the full interview airs that I might cringe over. So this is not a defense of Donald Trump by a diehard Trumper that's just got blinders on and, and no, no, no criticism of Trump. No, to the contrary, I've, I've always welcomed criticism of Trump because I recognize he's very flawed but did a lot of good things. In any case, in any case, my question is not about Donald Trump as much as media reporting as much as deceptive things put before you that you read the thing. Wow. I didn't know that. And then you watch the video. Wow. I didn't know that. Is it accurate? Is it truthful? Remember the descriptions we heard, maybe the video backs up. So this is a 30 second edit of maybe an hour and 20 minutes that they were together. Okay. Let's listen to this video footage together. Okay, Piers, I'm ready. A former president in denial. I'll be completely straight with you to your face. I think I'm a very honest man. Much more honest than you, actually. Really? Yeah. It was a free and fair election. You lost. Only a fool would think You think I'm a fool? I do now, yeah. With respect. Excuse me. Okay, with respect. The legislature. the hard evidence. Excuse me. The most explosive interview of the year. I don't think you're real. I really don't. I'm not like Very dishonest. Let's finish up the interview. Morgan versus Trump. Turn the camera off. Very dishonest. Only on Talk TV. Wow. All right. Let's let's just first just go go back and ask a question. You just heard when he walked off. So as he stands up to walk off, says, turn the cameras off. Very dishonest. You heard him say that as he walks away. The description here, the description in, in The Sun, which is a major UK sensationalist publication, but major, widely read. Trump screamed that his interviewer was dishonest, a fool and barked at the shock TV crew, turned the cameras off. Now, he certainly wasn't screaming there. But are, are things edited a certain way to give a certain impression? Well, it turns out that Trump's people just recorded the audio for themselves to have a record in case things were dishonestly edited. And by the way, it happens all the time. I'll tell you about my experience with Comedy Central in a moment, why I didn't go on with them a few years back. But this is the, the audio of the end. And... and 
again, I, I, I'm going to play it. It's, it's not the best quality, but you'll be able to hear as you're listening. And let me point this out. They have just talked about what's happening in the world and Trump talking about the dangerous things could, that could happen in the world because there's stupid people in leadership. Obviously, he's attacking President Biden as one of them, not by name at that moment. But they're stupid people. And, and if we don't do the right thing, you know, people are going to blow each other up. All right. So now Pierce Morgan wants to ask one more question. And Trump's guy says, like, this is the fourth time you said one last question. Apparently, it's supposed to go 20 minutes. It's gone an hour, hour plus. But this is now the end of the interview. Let's listen together. You're going to end up with no world. The world is going to be blown to pieces. We have stupid people now running our country. The world is going to be blown to pieces. Uh, the last question? You, you, you've yeah, yeah. done last question four times yeah, now. No, I, so I, I feel I, like you're lying at this I, point. I, I'm not lying. I just haven't asked you very much. You, very this was, no, no. you, you said last question four times. I saw this. Is this was a speech for the uh, I think it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's, I haven't asked about fantastic in your opinion. I wanted to end with the Holy One. I just haven't asked about the Holy One. Do you want to go ahead? You recently got a Holy One playing golf with Ernie S, one of the great golfers of the world. What was that like for you? Well, it was great. He's a great guy, great player, one of the most beautiful swings they say in the history of golf, and very powerful. And I made it with him and actually uh, three other tour pros. And it was quite a thrill. Pull me through the, the shot. Well, I hit the ball. It was hit well. It felt good. The wind was blowing hard into my face. It was a five iron that went 181 yards and it went clank right into the hole. It landed on the green and one bounce and it went clank. And Ernie, who's a low-key guy, one of the reasons he's acceptable, the big easy, right? But Ernie and the other pros started jumping up and down in the air. And I said, why are you guys so excited? He says, because we don't see hollow ones. <laughs> They make, I guess, one every three tournaments, and then you have to be in the group. So it's. Have rare. you had one before? I've had seven. This was a seven. Seven hole in Seven. This was my seven, which isn't that high a number, believe it or not. If somebody plays golf, hey, the record is 49. Okay, people. Did you buy a round of drinks in the bar after? I don't know, but I would certainly have been happy to. But you don't drink. I don't drink, no. It is traditional. You buy around for a That is Did you do that? Probably happened. That <laughs> probably happened because I own the club. I'm sure it happened. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for great interview. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. That was a great interview. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank all right so this this is really remarkable friends you're talking about outright deception did you hear okay they're at the end of the interview and they're old friends but they they've been in each other's throats in certain ways more recently so piers morgan wants to talk to him about a hole in one some casual fun topic Getting a hole in one. Obviously, Trump remembers every last detail. He's obviously into his golf and it's 181 yards and a five iron and it's a seventh hole in one and the record is 49 holes in one, etc. Okay, so he, it's a cordial ending. Piers Morgan says, great interview, right? Trump has taken the, the, uh, uh, the stuff off, you know, the mic, etc. Quietly says, turn the cameras off. Remember, this is he barked at the shock TV crew. The, the interview's over. The interview's over finished turn the cameras off he says it quietly and then as he's walking away kind of under his breath very dishonest he's just upset with the way things went or some of the questions pierce morgan asked 
But he was still cordial enough to answer the thing about the hole-in-one. He's obviously into golf. They end. Pierce Morgan tells him, great interview. All right. And then turn the cameras off. It's The interview's over. It's perfectly appropriate. You know, it's it's like you've got some, you're mic'd and you have to use the bathroom for say, hey, make sure you turn the mics off. This is not a big deal. The whole interview was done and recorded. And and then the idea that he's screaming, you know, disoutraging, dishonest fool, that's outright deception. Meaning you read it, you see it, and you don't even realize you're being lied to. Friends, we gotta be really careful and doing our best to verify, verify, verify. I'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Once again, all the phone lines are wide open. So any subject you want to talk to me about today, just like we do on Thursday with Jewish subjects or Friday and all subjects, whether it's news-related, whether it's related to what's happening in the culture today, and I've got some things to share with you about that in a moment about the culture whether it's a Bible question, theology question, personal spiritual growth, because we can't get to all the calls that come in on certain days. We try to open the phones on other days as well. So 866-348-7884. So the big breaking news is quite remarkable, really. It's going to be very fascinating to track this, is that Elon Musk has bought Twitter. So he's the world's richest man. And this is the news now that Twitter has agreed to his offer to purchase it for 40-something billion dollars. Last I saw this morning, it could have been over 50. Now I'm seeing in the 40s. I mean, this, this money is incomprehensible to, incomprehensible to most of us. You know, what that, how much money that actually is, right? Uh, uh, here, guys, figure this out for me. If you're making $15 an hour, uh, how many years, working 40 hours a week, Right, so $600 a week times 52, so you're making 30,600. One billion divided by 30,600. How many years would you have to make uh, work to earn a billion dollars? Uh, so I get it in my head, I think, but quicker this way. All right, so it's quite remarkable. You know, he's having issues with Twitter and how many, 80 million something followers does he have on there? And someone suggests, why don't you buy it? Yeah, maybe. And then he says, okay, I'm going to do it. And, and it's actually happening. I guess the Twitter board had to recommend to the shareholders what was best as opposed to what their own views might have been. But it's going to be really interesting to see what happens if things do level out. Because right now, here's the way it works on Twitter right now. So Rachel Levine, you know better, is Richard Levine. So the biological female serving as assistant uh uh, Secretary of, of Health and Human Services under the Biden administration. So here is a biological female serving uh, in this position and serving as a, uh, excuse me, a biological male, forgive me, a biological male, Richard Levine, serving as Rachel Levine, Assistant Secretary of, uh, of Health and Human Service, Services. Okay, got the title close. In any event, if you get on Twitter 
and simply say for the record, quote, Rachel Levine is a biological male. You'll be banned from Twitter. You can have several million followers and you'll be banned from Twitter or at least suspended until you delete the tweet. So you can't even give biological reality. You can't even state biological reality. There are other things that you'll get suspended for or banned for. It's going to be really interesting to see. And will President Trump be welcomed back? And other banned accounts be welcomed back? It's going to be very interesting to see how this unfolds. Okay, Um, I'm looking over on Twitter where I just posted a survey minutes ago during one of the breaks. Where do you primarily get your news? Since these are broad categories, feel free to give more details in the comments after you respond to the poll. So I gave four choices, TV or cable TV, print news, online news sites, radio or podcast. Now, remember the day that most of us got our news primarily from print news. You got a a daily newspaper delivered to your house, and that's where you got the news. And then if you want the very, very latest, you might watch the 6 o'clock news on TV or the 11 o'clock news if you stayed up later. And then you get the very latest news. And maybe while you're in your car, maybe if there happened to be a news station in your area, you'd listen to that. But generally speaking, you would just, you know, the beginning of the hour, there'd be news and and you'd hear whatever station you're listening to. But, you know, most of the time, just reading the paper every day and then TV, you know, CBS, ABC, NBC, one of those. Well, here's, here's the response to the poll. Print news was the lowest. One point four percent so far one point four percent remarkably tv or cable tv eight point one percent so from abc to cnn to fox to msnbc eight point one percent i'll just jump to nine print news went down to one point three radio or podcast sixteen point seven percent and then online news sites, that's it mainly for me, 73%. Interesting. And you, you wonder, to the extent this is reflective of a larger society, how much longer print news is going to keep printing newspapers. Okay. <clears throat> Let me tell you what happened to me a few years ago with Comedy Central. This was the station had John, or the network that had John Stewart famously and Stephen Colbert before he went to late night TV, and people would listen to it, especially on the left, listen to Stewart's satirical commentaries and things like that, and talk about it at work and so on. It was, you know, influential. It still still has a good uh, viewing audience, I'm sure, relatively speaking. So a few years ago, I got asked to come on and talk about controversial moral and cultural issues. Now, I'm perfectly happy to be in the hot seat and do this. In other words, I've, I've been on hostile settings. I've been, I, was, I was on with Piers Morgan on CNN. I was on when Donahue, Phil Donahue was back in the air. I was on with him a couple of times. I was on with Tyra Banks in 2009 as the lone voice speaking against uh, medical intervention to, quote, trans, transition children. So I, I welcome the hot seat. I've, I've been on many a radio show and other local TV shows and things like that where the hosts or the hosts and the other guests are dead set against me. Great. I'm fine with that. I welcome those opportunities. As long as it's a setting where I'll be able to speak or just being in that setting is not defiling itself. Um, But Comedy Central, 
had a reputation for deceptive editing. Now, you say, I've watched it for years. That's not accurate. I'm just telling you the reputation that they had. And what I had seen with a colleague of mine, and it was absolutely deceptive editing. So I'll give you an example. Let's say we're sitting for a few hours and you're recording the whole thing. And you tell, you ask me, what's the funniest thing that ever happened to you? And I tell the story and I'm <laughs> laughing as I'm telling it, right? Or, you know, they, they ask me something else, you know, think about something really depressing, sad. And I'm like, mm, my fad, sad face. Okay, now they'll take the little clip of the laughter or the little clip of the sad face and splice it in somewhere else. Dr. Brown, how do you feel about slavery in America? And I'm laughing, right? Or how do you feel about something else that, you know, I'm, I'm in agreement with now they show a depressed face. In other words, it could be potentially that deceptive where the clips are taken from one piece. That's what happened to a colleague of mine. And, and I watched it. It's like, oh, no, the poor guy. I knew the thing was a setup. And he said it was, it was shockingly deceptively edited. And in, in fact, some encouragement came his way that someone called in. I think he said his father watched it and his father, real, his father was not a believer. When his father realized how this guy had been set up and yet he was willing to come on as a Christian and open his heart to receive the gospel. So God used it anyway. But... Uh, I had another friend said, no, I, I was on. They were fair with me and so on. Okay, all I knew was about the deceptive part. So I said, is it a live broadcast? If it's live, I'm in. You put me up there live, then what happens, happens. You can't edit that as it's happening. What happens, happens. Uh, no, 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 it's going to be pre-recorded. I said, okay, no problem. I want to bring in uh, someone to video the whole thing. This is only for our private records. But if you deceptively edit it, we want to have the real footage to show. No, we can't allow you to do that. So I declined the invitation. Now that tells you something. That tells you something. I, I, I was willing to put in writing, we will not release this footage. This is only for our private records and under law cannot be released unless you deceptively edit my, oh no, we'd never be deceptive. So we said, no, thanks. So it, you never really know sometimes until you dig deeper. And even if something is live, uh, there is there's one pastor who answered a question about abortion very poorly. And I reached out to him right afterwards. He was on a very secular, hostile TV show. And I reached out to him immediately after. I said, you got to fix this, man. You got to fix this. You completely blew it with your answer. And, and it looks like you were just afraid to tell the truth. He said, no, man, that's not what happened. They told me they were going to ask me my views about abortion. And they were going to let me read from Psalm 139. And then I was going to share why I believed the position I held to, why I was pro-life. And he said it went a completely other way. And at the moment, I prayed, okay, Lord, which way do you want me to go? And I went this way and maybe it didn't come out. Well, I said, it came out terribly, man. you got to fix it. But even there, when, when you saw in front of your eyes that he blew it with a really bad, weak answer, the fact is it was set up a certain way. In other words, he didn't know when he went on what the environment would be. I've had that happen where I'm expecting... A, and I get Z, and, and right at the, the spur of the moment, you either have a choice to say, hey, this is not what we agreed to in a live interview, or, or walk off the stage, which almost always is, is going to look bad, or just do your best to flow with it and, and try to redeem it. The, the point is, uh, truth is often hard to find, and many times you've got to dig. And when I see some headline somewhere, I'll, I will almost immediately go 
to several other sites, different sites. In other words, here's a, a left-wing site, here's a right-wing site, here's a more moderate site, to see how they're all reporting it. And if they're all reporting it the same way, and then there are verifiable quotes and things, then I'll think, okay, this, this must be true, or this really sounds true because it's in the mouth of several different witnesses. But you know the old saying, don't trust, verify. So if you, know, if you know the source well and the source has been proven to be trustworthy over many, many years, that's one thing. Otherwise, check very carefully. We will be right back, right here on the line of fire. 866-34-TRUTH. Going to take some calls on the other side of the break and then interact with a clip that has gone viral. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. So Elon Musk has remarkably just purchased Twitter for $44 billion. So I asked my guys to compute this for us. Let's say you're making $15 an hour. If you work 40 hours a week, that's $600 a week. So for a year, that is 30600 correct? Now, some of you make less than that. Some of you make way, way more than that. But let's, let's just use that because there are plenty of people making $15 an hour. It would take you to earn $1 billion. It would take you 32,051 years. <clears throat> 32,051 years. So, huh. That's, that's over 320 lifetimes. So you compute it. If you're making $30 an hour, you cut the numbers, or $50 or $100,000, whatever it is, it's, it's the, the, these kinds of funds and money like this, it's, it's just I can't wrap my mind around it. I can't. And so and anyway, he's, he's done that. And I, I just posted out of curiosity during this break. I don't really have two polls running, but I decided to do this. Now that Elon Musk has purchased Twitter, should he allow Trump back? And I imagine overwhelmingly people who follow me would say yes, because they want to see more free speech and they think Trump was wrongly blocked. All right, 866-348-7884. I've got some of the interesting culture wars things to talk about in a moment. And then I want to interact with a viral video that ties in with this so we can equip you, help you, infuse you with faith, truth, and courage so you We'll take your strong stand for the Lord. 866-34-TRUTH. But first, I'm just going to take a couple of off-topic questions. We'll start with Aiden in New York City. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hello. Um, God bless you, Dr. Michael Brown. Um, uh, I just had a question, you know, about, you know, I, I know it's uh, completely off-topic. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, okay, amen, amen. Um, you know, I wanted to ask about, like, you know, the uh, Kabbalah, you know, because I, I, I know the uh, Jewish people, they, um, this is like a sort of, you know, theology or philosophy, I guess you could say, that, that they ascribe to. And, you know, I'm focusing, I'm trying to focus more of my, you know, um, the, um, the evangelism efforts towards the uh, Jews, uh, because, you know, 
here in New York, there, there is uh, several large uh, uh, Orthodox Jewish communities, um, and a, a lot of them are Hasidic as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would like to, I would just like, you know, uh, I, I would just ask, you know, like, you know, can you, like, ex- like explain or, like, break down the Kabbalah or, and, like, how can we use, like, scripture against it, you know, to, uh, to, to uh, show them that, you know, this is completely contrary to, to the Word of God. Right. Okay. It's easier asked than done, to be honest. Let me say a few things. Uh, if you'll just go online, type in Jewish encyclopedia, right? So they can be separate words, Jewish encyclopedia, and then Kabbalah, right? Others would pronounce it Kabbalah, but Kabbalah is actually the right Hebrew pronunciation. So Jewish encyclopedia, Kabbalah. If you just type that in, it will, it will give you a, a good overview. This is academic, it's decades old, but it's, it's reliable. So if you go there, it'll give you a good overview of Kabbalah and mystical philosophy in Judaism, etc. The primary thing that is influencing a traditional Jew on a daily basis is seeking to honor God by observing the Torah. And that is done by studying the Torah and related literature, which is Mishnah, Talmud, and the commentaries on that. So by studying the Torah, you are engaging in a form of worship and now by seeking to live it out by keeping all the commandments. And then uh, Kabbalah is, is a certain theology that comes in place with it, but it's complex and, and it's, it's not easily explained, but I don't believe that needs to be your battle at all. All right, so get that information by going to Jewish Encyclopedia Kabbalah. There are other websites that are pop Kabbalah websites, you know, Madonna and others made those popular. Don't, don't even think about those, okay? So get your information there. You'll, you'll find it fairly dense. But I would concentrate on this. If you're going to reach a traditional Jewish person, it will not be primarily by interacting with their literature, which would take you many lifetimes to learn, having not been raised in it. Rather, what what will open doors is your love for them on a personal level, the power of the Holy Spirit working through you, and lifting up Yeshua, lifting up Jesus. It won't be a battle with different philosophies and arguments. Because of their learning and background, they would be very strong in that. But pray that the Holy Spirit would open a door for you to meet someone that's questioning or seeking or, or would be more open to talk, because otherwise you'd just be an outsider. You know, why would they listen to you when in their mind they have a, a tradition that goes straight back to Moses? So that's how I'd approach it. Ask the Lord for the right opportunity to speak. That's number one. Uh, number two, take a genuine interest in this person's well-being. Number three, ask the Holy Spirit to work through you powerfully. And then number four, lift up Yeshua, lift up Jesus, and see if the Lord works through that. Appreciate the burden on your heart. God bless and interestingly enough, we'll segue right into this call with Blake in Minneapolis. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, how are you? Thank Doing you well, so thank you. My call. Sure thing. Awesome. Um, so I have a lot of Israeli friends, and this summer I'm going to be spending uh, in Israel, and I really, really would like to see them be affected by the gospel. I know about our history uh, with the Church and mm-hmm. Jewish people, and I had shared with my Jewish friends when I was sharing about the gospel 
hey, I understand the history. I am I'm black. White people in America had enslaved black people, and then they were changing our religion. But I knew Yeshua to be real, and that His word wasn't like mm-hmm. that. And yep. that had really touched him. But I'm wondering, what are some really good ways that I could go about being a good friend and a witness for Jesus this summer in Israel? Um, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that, and and the analogy you use is very helpful and gives you kind of a a good inroad in that regard. I'm assuming these are more or less secular Israelis? Yes, they are. Okay, right. So that's a whole different world than dealing with a religious Jew. Um, And the majority of, vast majority of American Jews and still a substantial majority of Israeli Jews would be more secular. They may not even believe in God. So on the one hand, treat them like anybody else. Like anybody else that needs the Lord, needs to be aware of what sin is in his sight, needs to understand they need forgiveness and salvation. And many of them don't want to turn to traditional Judaism because they they believe the rabbis are hypocrites, so they just don't like all the laws, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's one thing. The power of your own testimony is always something that remains. And then showing them messianic prophecies, showing them key things in Scripture, it's always good with them. You're asking, read Isaiah 53. Who do they think that's talking about? Read it in English. Read it in Hebrew. Um, you know, to, to, to take them through some of those to get them wondering and, and get them thinking. Are you familiar with the One for Israel website? Yes, I am. Okay, so they have so much material in Hebrew there. If you can get them to watch some of the testimonies there or, or look at some of the videos where they're presenting Yeshua in Hebrew, because that goes a long way. Here, here are native-speaking Sabras, native-born Israelis, sharing the good news about the Messiah. So that, that's a good place to go, and specifically the Hebrew portion. So just say, hey, would you watch some of these? Or see if maybe it's in English you can watch, and then they can watch it in Hebrew. And then last thing, realmessiah.com. That's my Jewish outreach website. realmessiah.com. If you go there, you'll find answers to the hundred most common Jewish objections to Jesus, written answers, in many cases, video answers as well. You'll find debates with rabbis. You can watch how I present the gospel there, go through the prophecies, interact. Uh, You'll find some other outreach tools, and they're all for free, realmessiah.com. So take some of the information there, and you'll be able to use that as well. And may the Lord, the Lord bless you. The fact that they're friends, that's the big thing. They, they know you as a real person and, and you'll be sensitive to the Lord opening the right doors to speak at the right time. Hey, thank you. And may God be with you. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Kevin in Glendale, Arizona. Welcome to the line of fire. How you doing, Dr. Brown? Doing very well. Thank you. Yeah, I just had a question about uh, about speaking in tongues. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um. If if someone visits a ch- a church or attends a church where everyone is speaking in tongues all at once, but no one never stands up and gives an interpretation, what what are your thoughts on that? Okay. First, it could be genuine. In other words, it could be genuine tongues, and the people really filled with the spirit, but they're out of order. In other words, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14 and talked about proper order in the church. He was not rebuking them, saying the gift is false or you're just speaking gibberish. He was saying it's out of order. You have a legitimate gift from the Lord, but you're using it wrongly. 
So that's the first thing. You don't write the whole thing off and just say it's gibberish, it can't be God. No, it could be, but it's out of order. The second thing is, if it was during a time of worship, like everyone worshiping the Lord together with one voice, and you have hundreds of people, and you're singing in English, and the person next to you is singing in German, and the person behind you is singing in Spanish, and, and other people are singing in tongues, and you're all worshiping the Lord together like that, that's not the issue. But if messages are being delivered, if I'm shouting out a message in tongues over here and someone is shouting out a message in tongues over there, that is out of order that it's happening at the same time. And if there's no interpretation for it, that's out of order. So if that's the case, but you like a lot of other things about the church, then I would respectfully ask if I could chat with the pastor or another leader, if that's not possible, and just say, have, I have a question. I was reading this 1 Corinthians 14. If, you, if everybody speaks in tongues, an outsider comes in, an unbeliever, somebody who doesn't understand, they'll think you're all crazy. Uh, shouldn't there be interpretation? And they may give you an explanation that sounds bogus to you, in which case you might have to say, hey, I'd really love to be here, but this, this is out of order practice. It's, it's bothering me, and I, I can't be at home. Or the explanation may make sense, It'd be hard to make sense, though, everybody shouting in tongues at the same time and delivering messages in tongues and someone speaking in tongues uh, for a minute from the microphone and no interpretation. That's out of order. Yep. Again, that may not be the deal breaker for you, but it's out of order. Hey, God bless you. And may the Lord be with you. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back to the Line of Fire. You know, I was, I was just rejoicing today doing some exercising and helping Nancy with some outdoor work, looking some heavy bags of stuff around for her, for her yard. And, and uh, well, it's our yard, but it's the one that she has beautifully landscaped. And just feeling so grateful to God to be healthy and strong and, and vibrant and, and in good shape. And the number one thing, of course, well, God's grace in all of our lives, but eating healthily, that's the number one thing, and then working out, but eating healthy, number, number one. I also do take some great health supplements, so I want to encourage you to visit vitaminmission.com and check out our partner, Mark Stengler's health supplements there, Dr. Stengler gives you a special discount being one of our listeners and then turns around and gives a donation to our ministry with every order you place there. So it's got a lot of stuff there, really well made and really well put together to help you get healthier than ever. Okay, um, Mallory McMorrow is a state senator in Michigan and she made a statement in the state senatorial house a few days ago that's really getting a lot of attention and being hailed as, ah, look at this, and it's a got you moment in the, in, in, in the, whole, uh, the whole discussion about what should be taught in schools and so on and so forth. And are you grooming kids? Is, is that what educators are doing? They're grooming kids by talking to kindergartens about sexual orientation and, and transgender identity and things like that. And she actually tweeted this out. 
and, 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 and what she said in her tweet was that, that she wants a world in which every kid feels safe, even if you're not straight or white or Christian. Well, well, the fact is, plenty of kids feel tremendous pressure these days because they're straight or because they're white or because they're Christian. Because things have flopped so dramatically in so many ways in our school. When, when, in our schools, when people ask for equality on the one side, it ends up meaning something very, very different. So let's break down what she had to say. And we'll, we'll start with the first clip where she's introducing the subject. Thank you, Mr. President. I didn't expect to wake up yesterday to the news that the senator from the 22nd district had overnight accused me by name of grooming and sexualizing children in an email fundraising for herself. So I sat on it for a while wondering why me? And then I realized because I am the biggest threat to your hollow, hateful scheme. Because you can't claim that you are targeting marginalized kids in the name of, quote, parental rights if another parent is standing up to say no. So then what? Then you dehumanize and marginalize me. You say that I'm one of them. You say she's a groomer. She supports pedophilia. She wants children to believe that they were responsible for slavery and to feel bad about themselves because they're white. All right, so here's the first thing. What's utterly remarkable to me about that is that this senator doesn't immediately recognize that every word she's saying can be turned directly in the opposite direction and directly against her. What do I mean? I mean those on the left for many years have called us haters, bigots, homophobes, transphobes, because we say, you know, we really don't want you talking to our five-year-old about queer and about gender identity and about sexual orientation. Oh, we're now haters and bigots and transphobes and homophobes. And, and when we say, you know, we really think it's best if kids have a mom and a dad, oh, now we're the, the bad ones. So there's extraordinary marginalizing. I, mean, I document it in devastating detail. I've had people tell me they finished reading Sonsing of the Lambs, but they couldn't read it late at night, the first half, because it was too devastating to read the facts of what's happening. And many of you are living through it. And I ran into people after I spoke in, in, in St. Louis area this weekend, coming up telling me their horror stories in the schools, in the business place, because they simply hold to biblical values. So that's, that's remarkable. <laughs> You've demonized us and dehumanized us. Now, what the other person did, her, her opponent on the other side may have been very wrong, may have been very unethical. All right, I didn't read that letter that was sent out or that email that was sent out. In any case, that's the first thing. What an utterly remarkable statement to not realize how everything she said is just flipped around and accuses her and her side. Okay, let's go back to her. Well, here's a little bit of background about who I really am. Growing up, my family was very active in our church. I sang in the choir. My mom taught CCD. One day, our priest called a meeting with my mom and told her that she was not living up to the church's expectations and that she was disappointing. My mom asked why. Among other reasons, she was told it was because she was divorced and because the priest didn't see her at mass every Sunday. So where was my mom on Sundays? She was at the soup kitchen with me. My mom taught me at a very young age that Christianity and faith was about being part of a community, about recognizing our privilege and blessings and doing what we can to be of service to others, especially people who are marginalized, targeted, and who had less, 
often unfairly. I learned that service was far more important than performative nonsense like being seen in the same pew every Sunday or writing Christian in your Twitter bio and using that as a shield to target and marginalize already marginalized people. I also stand on the shoulders of people like Father Ted Hesburgh, the longtime president of the University of Notre Dame, who was active in the civil rights movement, who recognized his power and privilege as a white man, a faith leader, and the head of an influential and well-respected institution, and who saw black people in this country being targeted and discriminated against and beaten and reached out to lock arms with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when he was alive, when it was unpopular and risky, and marching alongside them to say, we've got you to offer protection and service and allyship to try to right the wrongs and fix injustice in the world. Okay, I don't get it. There's hypocrisy in the church, correct? That's right. There's been injustice to blacks in our history. That's right. What does this have to do with talking to kindergarten kids about sexual orientation and gender identity? I don't get it. All right, I think we've got time to play this last clip. Let's go for it. So who am I? I am a straight, white, Christian, married, suburban mom who knows that the very notion that learning about slavery or redlining or systemic racism somehow means that children are being taught to feel bad or hate themselves because they are white is absolute nonsense. No child alive today is responsible for slavery. No one in this room is responsible for slavery. But each and every single one of us bears responsibility for writing the next chapter of history. Each and every single one of us decides what happens next and how we respond to history and the world around us. We are not responsible for the past. We also cannot change the past. We can't pretend that it didn't happen or deny people their very right to exist. I am a straight, white, Christian, married, suburban mom. I want my daughter to know that she is loved, supported, and seen for whoever she becomes. I want her to be curious, empathetic, and kind. People who are different are not the reason that our roads are in bad shape after decades of disinvestment, or that healthcare costs are too high, or that teachers are leaving the profession. I want every child in this state to feel seen, heard, and supported, not marginalized and targeted because they are not straight, white, and Christian. We cannot let hateful people tell you otherwise to scapegoat and deflect from the fact that they are not doing anything to fix the real issues that impact people's lives. And I know that hate will only win if people like me stand by and let it happen. So I want to be very clear right now. Call me whatever you want. I hope you brought in a few dollars. I hope it made you sleep good last night. I know who I am. I know what faith and service means and what it calls for in this moment. We will not let hate win. So what's so remarkable is that calling the other side haters has been the whole strategy of hate for years. I, I documented it in massive detail in A Queer Thing Happened to America. This is the, the moment you differ with gay activism, you're a hater. The moment you, you say, I don't, I don't want Bruce, quote, Caitlyn Jenner to be a role model for, for my kid to be transgender, now you're a hater. The moment you say, boy, I'd love to see these kids raised by a mom and a dad, you're a hater. This has been the strategy of the left for years and years. I, I know it because I've got endless posts and, and, and attacks and everything 
calling me a hater and a Nazi. Why? Because I don't want a five-year-old taught uh, 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 genderqueer terms. Because I don't want a six-year-old to, to question whether they're maybe trapped in the wrong body. Because I don't want a seven-year-old to have to read a book, and in the book there are two, two men kissing, okay? <clears throat> Most of the people, I would say, that are on the side of the sexualizing of our children in school are probably identifying as straight white Christians. No surprise with that. Still, the majority of the nation, over 70%, identifies as Christian. And still there is white majority and straight majority. So I'd assume many pushing on the left identify as straight white Christians. No big deal here. But I still don't get it. What did this senator say, state senator of Michigan, that had anything to do with justifying telling a kindergarten kid, uh, explaining terms like homosexual or, or gay or lesbian when they have no possible way to understand what that even means? I didn't hear a syllable. And this is like, oh, the video that's going to get it and turn everybody's hearts. Honestly, I, I don't get it. She may be a very decent person. Otherwise, I, I'm not attacking. And, and the fact is, white kids in school are being made to feel guilty because they're white, simply because they're white. They're having white skin is evil. There are some that are being taught in that way or being made to feel that way. And that's not how you fix the past. And that's not how you educate for the present. But these things, oh, this is the video. We got to see it. It's going viral. It's like, I, I don't get it. The, again, this, this woman may be a very decent person and a devoted mom and wife and all that. But the power of this video, I don't, I don't see it at all. Back with you tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network.